الجزيرة بودكاست What's driving the recent unrest in Kenya? Opposition leaders say they're protesting against the high cost of living. They're also accusing the president of stealing last year's close election. So can this be contained or will it escalate? I'm Cyril Vanier and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast where we dissect, analyze and help define major global stories. Let's welcome our guests now. Farah Malim is a member of parliament, a member also of the Wiper Democratic Movement, a member of the opposition Azimio Coalition, and the former deputy speaker of Kenya's National Assembly. Thank you for joining us on the show. Bina Maseno is the executive director of Badili Africa, an NGO which works to increase female participation in politics and governance. And Herman Manyora is a political analyst and professor at the University of Nairobi who voted for Raila Odinga. All of you are joining us from Nairobi today. A warm welcome to each of you. Farah Malim, let's start with you. You're a part of the opposition coalition, which is behind these protests, but I understand that you don't support people taking to the streets on this particular issue. Explain to us why. Well, I don't support people taking to the streets on this uh, occasion. Democracy, the basic, uh, very fundamental uh, uh, rules of democracy is that when you go for elections and you lose an election, you allow whoever has won that election to begin running the government and doing the governance. Uh, these people have been in office now for hardly uh, six months. I mean, the, about seven months, I think. Uh, and it usually takes the time for the government to organize itself and too many challenges here. In any case, it's not our business to now tell the same government, government who defeated us in the last election, who went ahead and even defeated us in the parliamentary elections because the speaker comes from their side, the deputy speaker comes from their side. And, and then again, we tell them that you've got to, we went to court, the Supreme Court, we lost the matter in the court, we accepted uh, the, 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 the judgment or the ruling of the court itself. We said we're not happy with it, but we accept it. And then we come back again and tell that same government, look, you, you won that election, not fairly, but, uh, and again, you have to do ABCD. You must uh, work towards uh, bringing down the cost of living in the country. You must uh, uh, take back, uh, uh, the, I don't know, the people who were called the Chirera 4 or people who were in the election commission before. So basically setting conditions for a government that's there and, and open the server. I mean, these are not things that the government can do because the servers are under the control of an independent body called the IEBC, the Independent Electoral and Boundaries Commission. So I, I think it's not fair. We, we just can't go out there into the streets because we lost the elections. We admitted, we accepted the defeat. We just have to give them an opportunity for them to start running the government. And then we will begin taking stock taking and use whatever mistakes they make okay. in these five years to inform Kenyans and for us to win the next election. Okay, there's a lot to unpack in everything you just did. So it's a good thing we have like 20 plus minutes to do that. Um, Bina, it, it is not, I, I take Farah's point that you have to let government govern, but at the, at the same time, the opposition is there to oppose the government. Um, your take on what's happening right now in the streets of Nairobi and Kisumu and other parts of the country? Um, I think, uh, first of all, we have to um, acknowledge that uh, some of the issues being raised uh, by the opposition during the protest are valid reason. 
but then also understand that we have a, a political issue and we have an economic issue. And we have to see how to solve both of those issues. You know, we live in a country where we don't even trust the institutions that actually oversee election. And that uh, forms the basis upon which people don't trust whether the elections were credible or not, even though the Supreme Court did give a ruling and uh, say that they legitimize the uh, election of uh, President uh, William Bruto. So as long as we haven't strengthened uh, the institutions that oversee elections, so that citizens can actually trust that elections were free, uh, fair, and credible, we are still going to see most of these uh, problems, even in the next election in 2027. 20, uh, About the cost of living, um, are, are we struggling with the high cost of living? We are. You know, the median age in this country is 19 years old. We have so many young people who are jobless, right? And, at the, you, know, at the, at the, you know, the bottom line is, even for citizens, we did elect our leaders to actually serve our needs. Leaders who promised us that they're actually going to fulfill those promises when they are actually elected. So I think also citizens are fed up when they see a lot of politicking and less work being done. And if at all work is being done behind the scene, can that be explained to the public uh, in such a way that we were supposed to have achieved this, let's say, in the first six months, but we are not able to achieve this because mm. of these very reasons. So give us time to achieve A, B, C. Herman Minura, uh, we heard from both Farah and Bina that there are really two issues at play here that are driving these protests. One is the high cost of living, and there's just no uh, denying that the, the, the price of uh, petrol has gone up, the price of maize, which is essential for staple food, has gone up. Uh, but another issue here is the political rivalry between Odinga, who narrowly lost the election to Ruto, and uh, the, the president. Do you think that these protests, in your view, are legitimate? Do you think these two issues should be separated? I, I think there's no way you could separate them because they are so related. Uh, and uh, in terms of mobilizing on the part of the opposition, their efforts would be much less effective uh, if the issue of cost of living wasn't part of the, the deal. So, yes, uh, the citizens are unhappy with the cost of living, but also a significant part of the citizens of this country is also unhappy with the election results. So these two work together, and when the opposition is mobilizing, mm. uh, they are actually talking about the political issue of the legitimacy of the presidents, and at the same time using the cost of living as a mobilizing weapon. So they can, you cannot separate them, actually. Okay, well, as far as the cost of living is concerned, uh, then do you hear Farah's argument that the government and this president need time to turn things around? Well, it's possible you could need a year or even two, but in circumstances where people could be dead by the time the time you're asking for uh, is over, you will have to move in fast. Uh, you realize, according to a number of Kenyans, uh, one of the reasons why the cost of living is high, especially in matters of food and fuel and electricity, are, I think, for fuel and food subsidies that would have cushioned mm. the poorer Kenyans who are removed. And many people have this feeling that it's a push from the IMF and the World Bank that is making the government do that. So there are certain things you can't wait. You can wait for long-term measures to take place, 
But if people are dying, and I can assure you, life in this country is unbearable. Anybody talking about waiting perhaps doesn't live in this country. And therefore, there's so much government can do. Uh, in terms of, for example, the energy sector, there's so much corruption. You don't have to wait to deal with corruption and theft. See? So there's a lot of the government that they can do later. And even a lot more that are beyond the government's control, that is beyond the government's control because of international issues. But yes, there are things that cannot wait. So, Farah Malim, do you support the austerity measures that were put in place by this president and his government in order to secure that IMF loan, knowing that the same austerity measures have either driven up the cost of living or kept the cost of living high for ordinary Kenyans? The, the cost of living did not become high on the assumption of office of this current government. The cost of living was high even before then. As a matter of fact, in the stable, in the case of the stable food, the, the, the maize meal, the maize meal was more expensive that time. So it was over 200, well over 200. Now it's about 200, maybe less in some cases. And, and but you see, let, let me tell you one thing. You, we, we, these people, we, we were part of a kind of, uh, an informal coalition through something called the handshake when the mm. former president and our leader, our coalition leader, we basically got together. So for, for, for the whole of the, the, the bulk of the last term, the five years of that term, and, and at least in the very least, about four years of that, uh, the current president was not in the mainstream. He was basically somebody who was hunted and haunted. And, 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 and we were, we, this election was for us to lose. And we, we lost it, nonetheless, because even towards, as we are going to closer to the elections, all the predictions, all the opinion polls did indicate that this was a very close, close election, and very too close to call. And indeed, it was too close to call because we, 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 they won with a very small margin to avoid a second round. Now, for us to begin telling them that we're going to, people are going to die uh, before you know a year ends, and and for the four years before that. Uh, the current president was not in nowhere near power. The power was basically concentrated in the former president and our own leader, whom we hoped to make the president. Uh, it, I think to say the least is very unfair and it's extremely dishonest. And in any case, when you go to the, uh, even without the subsidies, uh, the, the fuel prices are more or less the same as what they were then. So, so basically, what we have also a kind of a catch-22. This country is broke. These people took mm. over a broke, a broke, a broken system. They, they, there was no money. There were no reserves. There was nothing. And, 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 and basically, everybody believes that this, these were things that were abused. The, the, the subsidies were abused, and billions of Kenya shillings were stolen through that. We need to have a forensic audit of all that to find out exactly where that money went. But for, it's, only, it's only fair for us to give a little bit of time, uh, in the very least a year, to this government for them to begin now correcting the things. And they have started correcting some things. So, so I think uh, for us to come out into the open, look, you can have people demonstrating as a constitutional right. It is not a spontaneous demonstration that is being done by Kenyans who are unable to bear the cost of living. No, it is one that is called for by our own coalition bosses, the leader. Raila Odinga is the one who called for these demonstrations. So far, far and, and if I could just jump class, in. If I can just jump in here, 
Should you still be a member of the of the opposition coalition? Should you be in a coalition with Rilo Odinga, given that so far you have been critical of the positions he's taken and you've been rather supportive, at least in this program, of the government and you're in favor of giving them a grace period? Should you really still be politically in a coalition with Rilo Odinga? Can, can I explain to you one thing? In, in my constituency, I put in more efforts and more resources to get all the votes for Raila. As a matter of fact, Raila Odinga had over 20, about 23,000 votes in my constituency in the last election, while Ruto had only 508. Most of them were not the locals, not my own people there. These were the government workers who were there. So we did everything we could have done. We were there on our own volition. I have been in the opposition myself for the longest. Uh, and, and out of a principle, but the country is, is I, my loyalty is more so to the country than to an individual. Mm. It has to be to either a principle, an ideology, or to the nation itself, not to an individual who is going to tell you, wake up, run in this direction, run in the opposite direction, and more often than not, not to achieve anything for the country and the people of the country, because Raila was the one who was defending the high cost of living just before the elections, and it's there recorded. And then he suddenly comes out there now and says, the cost of living is expensive. I'm calling for a, for a mass action. It doesn't happen like that. When the cost of living is, is high, it, it becomes spontaneous. It's the masses who are unable to deal with that cost of living and come out into the streets. This is different. This is a political demonstration. And by the way, the changes, they can say that you promised to bring down the cost of living and you haven't brought it down. But who took it that high up there? It is Uhuru. And Raila was very close to him, courtesy of their relationship that time. So dishonesty, in my opinion, is not something one has got to okay. have a loyalty to. My loyalty is to my country. I oppose them. I am not in, 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 in KK or what the president's what they call coalition now. I'm mm -hmm. still in my coalition. But I don't like the way my, my, the leader of that coalition right now has personalized this thing. And I'm taking it to a different level altogether. Okay. All right. you, you are creating... You are creating a situation. We have had a similar situations before when, when mass actions. Okay, I've got to let Bina and Herman speak again, sir. All right, but thank, but thank you so much. And by the way, just for, for our viewers who are less familiar with, uh, with Kenyan politics, when you say Uhuru is responsible for the high cost of living, you mean, of course, the former Kenyan president, Uhuru Kenyatta. Bina Herman, I saw some raised eyebrows. I saw some smiles. Um, let, me, let me go to you, Bina. Do, do you feel that the government deserves to be given more time uh, to tackle cost of living issues? Is it unfair for the opposition to try and put so much pressure on them now in the streets when they've been in power for, what, just over six months? Um, you know, first of all, um, um, if at all, actually, this was a very credible election, and we go by uh, the president winning this election. And uh, um, if Honorable, um, rightfully so, is saying the cost of living did not begin with this regime, um, also, I think the reason we uh, perhaps vote for new leaders, you know, the reason we vote for new leaders is so that they can actually bring about that new change that we envision. It's because they promise, you know, they ride and, uh, on their promises and make these promises during election that, you know what, if you elect me, I'm going to do X, uh, X, Y, Z. So we are saying, yes, the government is broke. But, uh, but then at the same time, uh, while we are saying the government is broke, people are seeing a bloated government. You see, people are complaining. Citizens are complaining because we are saying uh, we inherited, you know, coffers that are actually empty. We just uh, appointed 50 chief administrative officer. That is double the number for the uh, officers we had in the last regime. 
the last regime we had about 23. And this is an office that is unconstitutional already. And if you look at also the individuals that we have actually appointed, are actually not the struggling everyday ordinary Kenyans, are not the struggling young people, the mm. struggling hustlers, that we actually said we want to represent them when we are elected. So, you know, like that's a confusing message when we say we are actually very broke and then you come and also just, uh, you know, expand your government and we don't even have resources that can actually be channeled to the basic needs that citizens are actually talking about, right? There was a research I read that shows, actually this was, uh, I think, a month ago, uh, if not two months ago, that Kenyans spend 46% of their income, yes. whether in business or formal employment, 46% of their income goes directly to food. So how much are you left with? to actually spread across the other basic needs, whether it's education, whether it's shelter, whether it's your own personal needs, whether it's your, you know, so how much are you left with? And that is what we're talking about. So guys are seeing Kenyans who are being employed who necessarily are not even struggling Kenyans when we have the majority of the people who are jobless. In this country, we have about a million people who graduate from institutions of higher learning, tertiary education, every other year you know, to a job market that can only accommodate 50,000 uh, people. Mm. So where do the rest go to? You know, the majority of the citizens are also employed in the informal economy. How are we investing in the informal economy? How are we regulating the informal economy? Given that that is the same, same uh, industry that accommodates majority of the women and the young people in this country who are the most vulnerable when it comes to a struggling uh, economy. So I think at the end of the day is to also for the president to understand that he now is the president for every other person, not just the people who supported uh, who supported him. So even with some of the polarizing remarks that we hear in this country, that all oh, this government is for the shareholders, we are all supposed to be shareholders. We are all shareholders. You are serving every other person in this particular country. You are supposed to be a symbol of national unity. And right now is you know the most important time to see how do you actually uh, promote diversity. At such a time like this, when some people feel excluded, and it's not the first time people are feeling excluded, because if we don't handle these matters correctly right now, they're going to spill over to the next election and to the next election. Well, uh, that's that's undeniable, especially when you factor in that, that, that Raila Dinga has run for office, for the presidential office five times in a row, lost five times in a row, contested the result multiple times. Uh, yes, there is a chance that some of this spills over into the next election. I think that's fair. Herman Minora, you were raising your eyebrows earlier. What did you want to say? I was listening to my friend, uh, Farah Mahalim, a very good friend of mine, and uh, he sounded like a government apologist. Uh, first of all, Raila Odinga was not part of the past government. Uh, he was perhaps friends with Uhuru Kenyatta, the former president, and they had engaged in a kind of ceasefire, but he wasn't part of government. With that as it may, uh, it is also true, like uh, uh, the good lady says, when you want to run government, you campaign to run, you know the problems you are going to face. So you cannot get that government again engaging in excuses. And again, like she has said, you see, and which Farah Malim doesn't seem want to, doesn't seem to want to, to know to see, people can give you time if there are signs, if there are, if there are indicators that, that tomorrow will be a better day. If you become president and the sort of team you put up, 
the government you put together doesn't inspire confidence. Is a government that perhaps made up of the worst that you can collect in that country. You'll be stretching imagination too far to expect the citizens of that country to give that, that government a chance to better things tomorrow. Secondly, the people can also bear with the government, understand that these are hard times and give the government times to put things together. But if that government is engaged in excesses, in extravagant, in setting aside over 7 million US dollars to buy cars for three individuals, in excess appointment of unconstitutional officers, in excessive travel, in travel of government officers who have bloated delegations, in running around the country in homecomings and all sorts of things where government resources are spent, you'll be expecting too much from the citizens of that country if you ask them to give that, that particular government time. Yes, government can be given time and indeed it should be given time, but there must be indicators on the ground mm. that that time will be utilized in a, in a way that we can believe will yield fruit. But what is on the ground doesn't inspire any confidence at all. But again, what I said, and this is very, very important, if the citizens of your country are dying and you are in charge, and you are listening to a third party who tells you, do not put certain measures in place or put taxation measures in place when you know they'll break the backs of your people. If you listen to a, an institution like the IMF telling you no subsidies, and yet you know very well your people are going to die. Mm. Surely that cannot be acceptable, not in the 21st century, so, where the president of a country must make it his responsibility to ensure the people of his country at least survive and live just to survive. And therefore, these kind of things cannot wait, because if we wait, we are courting disaster. You can see the numbers in the streets today with Raila Odinga. Those numbers are not there because they necessarily believe in this issue of a stolen election. The numbers are mainly there because of the challenges, economic challenges, of the problem of food, of transport. Herman, I, wanted, I want to jump in because we have just two minutes left, and I am sorry to interrupt you respectfully. I want to ask all of you, does there need to be a handshake moment? So for background, the hand, what's known as the handshake moment in Kenyan politics is when Odinga stunned Kenyans, Raila Odinga stunned Kenyans, after being bitterly opposed to then-President Uhuru Kenyatta by turning around, shaking his hand, and they had some form of informal coalition. And uh, I couldn't call it co-governance, but they came to an agreement after being bitterly opposed. Uh, Farah Malim, you first. Does there need to be a handshake moment yeah, yeah. Be between to, President to, to Ruto and Raila Odinga? And we only have a few a few moments left. I'll ask you to keep it short. Yeah, to begin with, uh, the, the cast, the chief administrative secretary that he has now appointed was not something that started now. There's a precedent. They were initially appointed by Uhuru Kenyatta when he was head of state. And not now, but 10 years back. Okay, number one, president. In law, there's something called precedent. When this thing has been there before, and this man is just followed. But then the numbers, yes, you could debate the numbers. The second thing is that every time there is uh, an I, election... I need, I need an answer, sir. Does there need to be a handshake moment? No, no. There is no need to be a handshake between who and who. You see, we, if, we, we, if, we're going to, if we're going to appreciate what's called a democracy, 
then we appreciate democracy within its confines and the way it is right. practiced all over. Not a democracy that's always after elections and new negotiations. The, the elite, the power elite, the power elite, and I mean now the president and the opposition guy now come again into another, uh, 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 another agreement that only serves their interests. We have seen this many times before. All right. We don't have enough time, but I could have talked about it for days on end. And then they, they, they then uh, massage one another's ego and agree nothing gets tamed. Corruption does not get tamed. The, We're the gonna cost have of to leave it does not get tamed. Employment for Kenyans does not get tamed. It's just the two of them who are going to sit somewhere and have a banquet to share between themselves. I don't like that myself. I've seen many of it before. Okay, I'm afraid we're going to have to leave it there. But Far Malim, Bina Maseno, Herman Minyora, I thank you so much for joining us and joining this panel today on Al Jazeera. This episode was produced by Mohamed Elaishi, Abdurrahman Chelik, Abla Kla, and Jimmy Gedahun. Studio sound was by Sasha Andrievich. The program was edited by Vinish Vililat. Ling and Rien and Joe DeFrias. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thank you for listening. Tune in on Friday for our next episode. Mm-hmm.